Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. And Lord, as just Braden said beforehand, in your presence is fullness of joy. And God, we may have came in with something heavy. But God, we cast all our care on you for you care for us. Lord, that thing that we may be thinking about, it may be bigger than us, but it's not bigger than you. It may have been around for a long time, but it hadn't been around longer than you have. And so God, tonight, that's what we do. We lay it at your feet. We lay it at your feet. Lord, rather than fixing this on ourselves, by ourselves and through our own willpower, thank you for the help and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, minister, do what only you can do. God, may we, may we come on a Wednesday and leave changed, renewed, set free, never better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, already, are you glad you came on a Wednesday night? All right, all right, all right. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, open them to page 1,341. If you've got a uh, amplified Zondervan fake bonded leather Bible that's falling apart, praise the Lord. I'm tempted to get a new one, but you know how that goes, Pastor Robert. I'm not going to do it. I got too much good stuff inside of here. Amen. That's right. <laughs> uh, James chapter 3, if you guys haven't been here on a uh, Wednesday night in the last couple of uh, months on in March, I talked about James chapter 1, facing the challenges of life God's way. How many of y'all know we're, we're, the, we're the people of God? How many of y'all know we have a different standard on our life? How many of y'all know we're supposed to talk different, act different, look different? Come on. I, uh, and, and so he, he said in here, you need to consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. I know how my flesh wants to react, but he's saying this in James chapter 1, a very practical book for, for believers. If you haven't read the book, you need to read it. It won't take you long. But, but it's very practical. He's just saying, hey, when you face challenges in life, there's a certain way that I'd like for you to go through them. Uh, Shep, this last weekend, given his testimony in, in Orlando. In fact, I think I've seen it before. I know what he's talking about. But there is a, a big mural. It's like a big concrete wall. And it's got a bunch of fish that are going uh, with the stream. And there's one fish that stands out. And it says, go against the flow. And how many of y'all know, and he said this, you can throw a dead fish in the water and it will go with the flow. Right? But how many of y'all know salmon survive and live because they go upstream? How many of y'all know we're not to live, uh, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So God has a different standard for us. I won't get into all the steps of that. But if you were here the first week, uh, JC's throwing stuff at me up here. But in, uh, uh, if you were here in the month of April in James chapter 2, we talked about proving your faith with action. How many of y'all know talk is cheap? And I heard another thing. Uh, I might say a lot of stuff that I heard this last weekend, but there were so many little nuggets, wasn't there, Pastor Robert? 
One of the best nuggets, though, I heard was on the golf course when talking about putting sunscreen on that baby. Come on, Cody. All right. <laughs> That's a different sermon for a different day. But he said something this weekend. He said, us as believers, most, most people don't know the Bible, and even Christians don't read the Bible. But he said this, why don't you be, uh, the, be the word? You might be the only word that people read. I don't know about you, but I want to be a Bible that people read. In fact, Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 8. As I was studying for this, the Lord dropped this in my spirit. He said, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Look at this. He said, my father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit. How? And so prove to be my disciples. How many of y'all know we need to be people that bear the fruit of the word of God living on the inside of us? And in terms of your, uh, of your faith, it's not what you say, it's what you do. I'm going to say that again. In terms of your faith, it's not what you say, it's what you do. It's not the fish that's on the back of your car. It's the life that you live. Amen? Come on, it's not the cross that's around your neck. It's, you may have a mural inside of your wall, inside of your house. That don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing to the Lord either. It's how you live your life. And we're going into one practical, more practical thing tonight. James chapter 3 and verse 2, if you have your Bibles. So James chapter 1 is face the challenge of life, uh, challenges of life God's way. James chapter 2 is proving your faith with action. And then he goes to James chapter 3. You can see what we're talking about right off the bat. The highlight of, or, or the topic of James chapter 3 in the Amplified here, it says the tongue is a fire. Verse 2, we'll start with that. It says, For we all stumble in sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his own body and reign in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Verse 3, Now if we put bits in the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though... They are so large and are driven by strong winds, and they, uh, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See, by comparison, how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue is, in a sense, a fire. The very world of injustice and unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and, and is itself set on fire by hell. James, tell us what you really think. Come on. I'm, I'm glad nobody's walked out yet, but you might. Have, we're going to continue. Verse 7. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and sea creatures, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined and unstable, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men we have been made in the likeness of God." Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respecter of his precepts. 
Verse 11. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Oh, man. Can a, can a fig tree, my brothers. See, he's talking to Christians right here. I hope you see this. It's like this scripture right here in, in uh, James 5, 19. He says, my brothers and sisters. He's talking about people of God. He's not talking about reprobates. He says, if anyone among you strays from the truth and falls into error and one turns him back, let the latter one know that the one who has turned a sinner. Y'all want to talk once saved, always saved? Different sermon, different day. All right. He said, can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a grapevine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? Help us, James. Come on. So tonight I want to talk about, this is not uh, a sermon on confession, even though I believe in confession so much. And if you don't have the little purple book by Joyce Meyer on the confession of your mouth, I would encourage you to get it. Or hung by the tongue is another good one. But tonight I just want to talk about managing your mouth or governing the tongue. How many of y'all know scripture is full of it from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Uh... The Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention. One, one that we all quote and know is Proverbs 18, 21. If we got it on the screen. The tongue can bring death or life. This is like bitter and fresh water right here. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Let's look in the New Testament. Paul, he's trying to get the church at Ephesus' attention. Ephesians 4, 29. I love it. The Passion Translation. Listen to this. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. So how many of y'all know we as believers, we face the challenges of life God's way. How many of y'all know us as believers, we ought to talk a different talk and only speak words that construct or build? How many of y'all know we don't need to let our words be destructive? Matthew's gospel, chapter 12 and verse 36, amplified. It says, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless or useless word they speak. Lord, help me already. I heard something else this weekend thinking about this. He said, he said this, a great analogy. Where's heaven? Point to where heaven is. I don't know where heaven is. It's up here. All right. We're ascending up. All right. We need to talk on the latter times, Pastor Robert. But, but we're going to get out of here. Where's hell? All right. It's down. All right. It's a metaphor. We don't know necessarily that it's, but, you know, how I many of y'all know the Lord has taken you up? We're going to higher things. Amen. From glory to glory to faith to faith. But no one ever coasts into heaven. You've got to climb. And you've got to fight the good fight of faith. But if you coast in life... You're going the wrong direction. And thinking about this with words, I was thinking, uh, you know, if, if you're just coasting with your words, you're going to have to give an account on judgment day at the judgment seat of Christ for every careless word that you've given. Now, Lord, already forgive me. We're going to be there a long time on judgment day for already myself. I'm y'all thankful for God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. But we, we really need to take this into consideration. And so before I even get it, I'm going to give you some practical things tonight. It's all right if we be practical on a Wednesday night. I mean, I've already gotten something out of the word in James to already stretch you. But let's look at the life of Jesus. He's our example. 
He's on the inside, working on the outside. He's a model of wisdom. He's the model of restraint, I believe. And in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 30, letters in red here, he said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, you've got to understand the text of right here in John chapter 14. Remember, he's, poor. he's giving them, uh, uh, this is right after they're in the upper room, and they have the last supper together, and he begins to tell about the Holy Spirit that's going to come after he leaves. I'm y'all thankful he gave us the Holy Spirit. But he knows what he's about to do because he's going to Jerusalem, and he, he, he is about to be crucified. But he's telling the disciples, in essence right here, if you read the whole text, this is going to be a very intense season for me. I'm about to be under a lot of pressure, so you won't hear much from me. I'm going to choose my words carefully. How many of y'all know Jesus is the example? He's on the inside working on the outside. And as I was praying about this, Jesus is basically saying, when I'm under pressure, I'm even going to say less. How many of y'all know this is great advice from the Son of God? This is great advice. Less words, more strategic. How many of y'all know when life gets crazier, your words get crazier? I'm going to say that one more time because I didn't hear enough amens. How many of y'all know when life gets crazy, your words get crazy? How many of y'all know when life gets loud, you get loud in your words? It's the same way when, I, when parenting my kids, I have to really watch myself. I'm already a loud person. Me and Carmen Lacero in the same room, we scream at each other. All right? I don't know if you know Carmen who runs our school. She's, she's just very loud. That's just Her voice carries, but so does mine. And so I have to be very strategic, and I have to be intentional. When I parent and correct my children, I have to bring it down because I know when life gets loud, my words get louder. Isaiah 53, 7, look at this, the example here. He's talking about Jesus right here. He's prophesying this 700 years before it even happened. But he said he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep is silent for the shears, he did not open his mouth. Jesus never if, if, if you go through the stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John of when he goes before um, <clears throat> Herod, as he goes before um, Pilate, Jesus never answered people who made accusations against him. He did not defend himself. You know what? We're opposite of this. We like to set the record straight. Do we not? Luke 23, I want to give you, uh, I'll show it to you in Scripture. Luke 23 and verse 9 and 10, New Living Translation. He said he asked Jesus questions after question, but Jesus refused to answer. This is Pontius Pilate. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. We see in Mark 14 and verse 16. It says, then the high priest stood up before the others and, and asked Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no Reply. You know, we have this bracelet that says WWJD. I want to ask y'all, what would Jesus do if he was on Instagram and Facebook? I'll tell you this, he wouldn't be arguing with crazy people. So if you are, start being like Jesus. Hey, and I'm guilty of it, too. I've had a little fun myself over the years, thrown in Facebook jail and got the T-shirt. But 
how many of y'all know, as we read this, we need to be more like Christ. And we need to resist that temptation. So as I look at Jesus, I believe the highest mark of spiritual maturity, and we read James chapter 3, the highest mark of spiritual maturity is not what you know. It's not how holy you are. It's your ability to control your mouth. How many of y'all know that is a high mark of spiritual maturity? You know, there's people that go on a diet. I've been on several myself. None of them work. But in essence, what you do when you're on a diet, you control what comes into your mouth. Right? How many of y'all know we need to go on a spiritual diet as people of God, Bible people here, on, and on this diet rather than what comes into our mouth of what comes out of our mouth? And so I want to talk about three practical things that I believe we can take away from here tonight. Three thoughts on this topic. And number one is this. Very easy. Number one, think about what you're saying. This is not hard. Think about what you're saying. As as I was writing this down, first point, I was thinking about when we first went through Dave Ramsey, me and Pastor Brandy. I was so on board. Pastor Brandy, not so much. Cutting up them credit cards, it was like she was trembling. And uh, one of the things that I love, the discipline that Dave Ramsey does, is it makes you budget everything you spend your money on. And you know, those of you, how many of y'all have gone through Dave Ramsey? Lift your hand. All right, so you know what I'm talking about. They give you the envelopes. You remember the infamous envelopes that wore out? We put cash inside of that. So we budgeted this is much how much we would have for groceries. This is how much we would spend uh, for, you know, all the kinds of different deals. But you would have to make a record of every single thing you spent money on. And if you was to see today of every single thing that you spent money on and give an account for that, There's a lot of things that you don't need. Right? And that's his whole point is is making a budget and going back and like, oh, my gosh, why why was I so stupid to buy buy that $5 plus $5 plus $5 plus $5 plus $5 every single day? That's, you know, at, at the end of the week, that's $30. At the end of the month, that's $120. At the end of the year, let's keep going. But my whole thing is this. How about we start budgeting our words? I'm going to say that one more time. How about we budget our words? Let's be intentional about the words that we say. So if you was to have a record at the end of the week or the end of the day, and you was to look at all the conversations you had, how, many, how much am, you would have to ask yourself, how much am I complaining? And what am I complaining about? How often am I negative? How often am I negative about other people? How often am I talking about people that aren't even inside the circle of people that you're talking about? That's a capital G-O-S-S-I-P, gossip. Are you hearing me? So how many of y'all know we need to, just like as I'm preaching to you or, or speaking to you tonight, right now, I have to think about the words that are coming out. This is a discipline that I do when me and Brandy get an intense conversation. I have to think about the words that are coming out of my mouth. Because how many of y'all know one word will put me in jail? Come on. Where's the husbands at tonight? Number two is this. So number one's very easy. Think about what you're saying. But number two, oh man, pray about what you're saying. 
I mean, y'all know in 1 Thessalonians, it says this, pray about everything. I'm going to say that one more time. In 1 Thessalonians, it says pray about everything. So let's pray about our words. Let's look at this, Psalm 141, verse 3. David said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. How about we just pray this together? One, two, three. Set a guard, Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. See, you can do it. When you leave here tomorrow morning, you guys, hey, you've already practiced up. You have it on lipstick, on your mirror, or whatever you need to do. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 19, verse 14. New American Standard, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Look, look at this. Look at this scripture. When you catch yourself saying this negative thing over and over, ask the Lord, what, God, what is it that's in my heart that is wanting me to say those things? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What Jesus say, Luke 6, 45. Here's the example. He said, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. See, if we're not careful, I was thinking about this. If we're not careful, we'll... We'll, we'll have life coaches and listen to people. If we're not careful, we'll focus on personality. Well, it's just my personality. We'll focus on, well, it's just my habits. You know, it's just a habit that I have, and, you know, I need to get better with my habits. We'll focus on, I, I just need to have a behavior modification. That's what I need. And what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to exercise your own will. And rather than doing that, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable to God. Instead, rather than... Blaming it on a personality or fixing a, a habit or fixing a behavior modification or trying to do these things on my own. Instead, let's let the power of the Holy Spirit do the work on the inside of us. And, and when we get to those places, let's ask ourselves, rather than uh, me saying what I want to say, well, just asking yourself, because you're training your heart, why am I restless about this situation? You don't even have to say anything. You're just asking yourself. In my head, why, why am I being restless about this situation? Why am I, really, why am I angry with this person? Is it really this incident? Because it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it's something that happened down the road. And Lord, forgive me for taking offense against them. My whole point is this through Psalm 1914. We need a heart transformation, not a behavior modification. If you're not taking notes, you can go ahead and write that down. If you're not writing it down, go ahead and write it down. How many of y'all know we need a heart transformation, not a behavior modification? You know, it's like this. I was trying to give you, wanted to give you an example of changing the heart rather than the behavior. You know, in parenting, we say this. Don't do that. Don't stop, stop, stop. You know what I've learned is this is if I just tell them if I just tell them to stop and don't give them a reason then down the road they'll do it again. 
right? But if I give them a reason of why, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get it inside of their heart rather than inside of their head. Amen? I want it in the heart, not in the head. Let me just ask all the men one more time in the room. Have you ever dreaded words as soon as they came out of your mouth? (laughs) How about the ladies? All right. All right. We know you are bad too, but. How about before we respond too quickly? Let's pray. How many own? I said own. How many y'all own teenagers in the room? <laughs> My bad. How many y'all have teenagers in the room? All right. Let me see. Show of hands. All right. Whether they're teenagers or little kids, can I can I give you some great advice? My dad was a principal of a Christian school for many years and, and taught children's ministry. When your kids come home and tell you of something that happened at school, whether it be from a teacher or another kid, get the whole story. My poor young ones, I don't believe anything that they say because I have an older one that came home and it was way, way bigger in our home than it actually appeared. But you know what? We can point fingers all we want to at teenagers. Adults do it all the time. How about rather than us just blowing up or hearing something that we heard? Hey, let's pray about it and get the whole story. Before we respond too quickly, let's pray. Before we respond too quickly, let's pray. Let me say that one more time. Before we respond too quickly, how about we pray about it? In James 1.19, our boy James right here, he said, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Amplified classic, look at this. Understand this. It's like he is daddy looking over you. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Again, he's talking to Christians right here. He said, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and to get angry. How many of y'all know we need to commit our mouth to God's will? And you know, when you commit your mouth to God's will, it'll increase joy in your life. I believe this with all my heart. With all my heart. Um... We hadn't watched in years, but me and Brandy went on this for the longest time, watching on Discovery Channel, Naked and Afraid. Don't judge me. But I could tell, like, they would go on these ones in the Amazon for like 60 days. Can you imagine an Amazon full of bugs and all that? Forget that. I don't care if it, what it pays, what it pays. But I could tell within, they call it insertion, when they would first get on the island, you could tell within the, I mean, within the first 30 minutes of the show who was going to stay and who was going to leave. You know why? By the complainers. By the words that came out of their mouth. I'm telling you, there's something about when you get your mouth right, joy will begin to fill your heart. Number three is this. Very practical here. So we're going to think about what we're saying. Number two, we're going to pray about what we're saying. Number three is this. We're going to work on the things we're saying. So A, think, think of this. Work on the things we're saying. Let's focus on one thing that you need to stop saying. This is practical Wednesday night. I just want you to close your eyes right now. 
And I want you to think about something that you say all the time that you need to work on not saying. And if you can't think of something, you need to ask your spouse (laughs) something that you say. All right, y'all look at me. Be bold enough. Ask somebody. Ask somebody, what, what is something that I say that is always at negative? It could be, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Or it could be just this. I hate going grocery shopping. I feel you. But in the same sense, let's fill our words with some positive things. Thank God he has blessed us that we can go in and buy overinflated groceries. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, I just love buying $13 eggs. Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me? So let's focus on one thing that you need to stop saying. Number two is this. Let's focus on something that you should start saying. You know, the Old Testament, New Testament, we see the discipline of speaking God's word. And in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, before he, Joshua graduates into one of the most important things that he'll ever do, that his uncle was going to do, what did the Lord what, what what does it say in Joshua 1.7? Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful and do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. How do you make your way prosperous? I know this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And then you will have great success. How will you have success? Because this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And then he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Remember, he is our example. He is our wisdom. Something on the inside, working on the outside. But Jesus was led by the Spirit. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospel. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In all three ways, the Bible says he was tempted uh, um, he was tempted, but yet did not give in to any of them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In all of them, he overcame every one of them. How? He said this, it is written. Man shall live, not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. See, the example didn't do it in his own strength. He even knew this. There was power in the word. How many of y'all know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, never underestimate the power of one scripture. So we're not just going to stop the negative. We're going to start the positive. If you were here this last weekend, I said this. You need to repent and you need to replace Come on, let's repent and let's replace. So you might be out there and you say, there comes a time in your life, you know, I'm just not feeling loved. I'm not feeling valued. You need to remind yourself of John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting God life. So I know this. When I don't feel loved, I'm going to say the word of God, and the word of God tells me that I am loved by God. 
When you're worried about your future, you know, isn't it amazing? There's things that can come up on a Monday and you forget about them on Friday. But there's also things that, that stick with us for months and for years. And there may be something in your heart that you're worried about your future. I want you to write this down. 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, uh, that is what the scripture mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So when I'm confused about what my future holds before me, I'm going to say out of my mouth, God has a great plan for my life. God has a great plan for my life. Let's say it together. God has a great plan for my life. God has a great plan for Addison's life. God has a great plan for Anson's life. God has a great plan for Ketch's life. God has a great plan for the Bennett home in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm helping you all out tonight. I'm not crazy, but we actually do this in the Bennett home. And I can I tell you, the Bennett home is full of joy. When you're reminded of your mistakes, how many of y'all know when you, if, if you just sit down for a second and get reminded of something that you did, the enemy will just begin to attack. In fact, there's things that I saw in college that if I close my eyes, I can go right back to that place. It's crazy how the, the enemy works, how you'll be somewhere and it's just boom, go there. And then what comes with that, what comes with it? Shame, guilt, condemnation, right? The Bible says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm just telling you, when you're reminded of your mistakes, this is what I do. In 1 John 1, 9, it tells me, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And at these times, I say this, I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. As far as the east is from the west. That person that I said that to, they may not forgive me, but I know this, that I have repented, and I've repented to them, and I know this, that God has forgiven me. I'm forgiven. Maybe you're struggling with your identity of what you're supposed to do, of who you are. The Bible tells us this in Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know what we need to tell the world today? I am made in the image of God. When anxiety tries to come over you, how many of y'all have ever dealt with anxiety before? All right. 2 Timothy 1:7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in prayer. There's power in your praise. There's love. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And a sound mind. A sound mind. How do you get your mind to line up by the words you speak out of your mouth? Amen? So you say this. When anxiety comes, you say this. I will... Not walk in fear. I will not walk in fear. I won't do it. Also, this one, I just go ahead and give you a nugget here to end with. Philippians 1.6. We studied it yesterday morning. But this one's so good to have in your quiver of arrows. Be confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand for that right there? Yeah, I am confident of this very thing. You know, when you're down in the dumps and you're going, you know, you go through life. 
There's things that are said. There's hurtful places that we go through. But I am confident. If I'm confident of anything, I'm confident of this very thing. Look at that. This very thing. Thank you, New King James. Being confident of this very thing. That he, capital H, who has begun a good work in me. Go ahead and put it there. Personal. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It don't get much better than that right there. Come on, did you get something out of the word tonight? So let's think about what we're saying. Let's pray about what we're saying. Amen? And let's, number three, this. Let's work on what we're saying. Amen? Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. He said, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an accounting for every careless or useless word they speak. I don't know about you, but this convicts me to line up to the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word that encourages us, that pushes us, that drives us to be better. Lord, if there's any coasters in the room, I pray, God, that there was something that stirred in their heart tonight to be climbers. And, Lord, we choose to go against the current, and we choose to face the challenges of life your way. And, Lord, this week, we choose to prove our faith with action. Lord, may we walk in love. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear of those people that are around us that need a touch from you. So, Lord, I pray that we'd be led by the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that this would not just be a behavior change, but this would be a heart change. Lord, do something in each and every one of us. We are your vessels. God, we say this. If you can use anyone, use us. Use us. We choose to be the hands and feet of you. Something on the inside is doing something on the outside. We say that something on the inside. God, you on the inside is going to be working on us. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website, arenaoflifechurch.org, or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.